MS Mobile Show. This is the podcast that helps you get the most out of the Microsoft services you use on all your mobile devices. On this episode, we will be discussing Big Windows, as Vernon likes to call it, because the anniversary update just came around, of course. We'll be discussing Windows 7 versus Windows 10, just on just comparing the two. And we'll also, as always, have our music, app, and podcast picks. My name is David V. Kimball, and I'm joined today, of course, as usual by vernon el smith how you doing today i am well i have been i'm tired i'm a little bit crabby not in the podcasting technology microsoft space but in everything in other stuff (laughs) but i am i david it's been uh it's been a little bit so i'm really glad to get back and um chat a little bit with you man looking forward to this is that like a skill like being able to be crabby in just certain areas i feel like that's a skill um you know, the more I think about that, I think that is something I, I do well. I think I compartmentalize well enough that it doesn't bleed over too badly. I've been, um, I have, I sound like I'm bragging, I guess, but I have been told by people I work with after some crazy thing, they're like, how did you not just flip out on that dude? And I'm like, well, what, what good would it have done, I suppose? And then, um, but yeah, I'm a little bit different at work than I am at home, a little bit different at home than I am on the podcast and uh, all that. Right. Awesome. Well, I think that is a good skill to have. Um, yeah, you've had a pretty exhausting week. Um, but, I mean, so is Microsoft because <laughs> trying to deal with this anniversary update stuff. And from what I've heard from people, in general, it's going relatively smoothly. People are having good experiences for the most part. There's a few odd cases where a friend of mine, he he did the he did the anniversary update and like all of his fonts were gone. What? Which it's got to be something else. I just do not think the update would do that. Um, another friend when he updated, oh yeah, this is a uh, again we're speaking to gamers, but they removed support for DualShock Four controllers, which is a way of saying the PlayStation Four controller. Hmm. Don't know why. Um, and then I know Steam, the guy, the guy at Valve. I don't remember his name, but he was talking about how eventually Microsoft wants to do away with 32-bit applications, and Steam is a 32-bit application. So like, there's this big article about a conspiracy theory and stuff. Um, so I just thought that was sort of interesting. Uh, I don't know too much about it, but um, but my experience of the anniversary update. So. On my service, I got an update on August 2nd, the okay. Pro 3. So that was just push? You didn't you didn't um, no. rig it or, you know, like, you just it came naturally, you're saying? It was buttery smooth. I updated it, took, what, 20 minutes or less? Maybe not even 20 minutes, maybe like 10 minutes or something. Finished, turned on. The, it's, it runs way better now, it, honestly. The fan used to kick on after a few applications were open, but... It really doesn't do that. It stays cool. It stays quiet. The anniversary update did wonders to my Pro 3. My desktop, however, was a completely different story. It did not like the anniversary update. Um, so first off, I just... it The update never came. It was like two or three days after the update. I kept hitting check for updates. So eventually, I used the tool, right? The upgrade assistant that is also used on Windows 7 and 8X devices, 8.x devices to get to windows 10 initially they kind of microsoft kind of repurposed the tool to work as a windows 10 anniversary upgrade assistant and i ran it and it would install and it would do the check and say your cpu is good your ram's good your uh, internal storage is good click restart and we'll begin the process so we do it and bios would come up the screen would flash for a second and then it would just load boot to normal windows and like nothing happened so I looked into this, and apparently it's a known issue with if you like swap out the hard drive or if you have multiple hard drives connected. So I disconnected my secondary hard drive, still didn't work. It was really annoying. So what I ended up doing was getting the boot, the media creation tool, and then making a bootable USB stick, which is also a good method to get the upgrade. So then I tried that, and I'd boot from the USB, and then it worked. 
finally. I did a clean install just because. But now, if I turn on my computer and I tap the up arrow on the keyboard to get past the initial lock screen, it just hangs on this spinny loady screen forever. Like, forever. And hmm. so the only way I can get past it this is really weird. I turn on my computer, I load the BIOS, I go to the boot manager, and I boot the disk through there, and then it works. So I don't wow. know what's going on with that, but um, it's funny. I got both ends of the spectrum. Just amazing, seamless on my Pro 3, and just rocky and terrible on my desktop. That's too bad. Well, what do you like about windows with um windows 10 anniversary update on your pro 3 um well what's cool is the the inking stuff is actually really awesome because obviously you have the pen and everything so it lends itself more appropriately to that sort of you know i've always wanted something where it just captures the screen and you can annotate on it because before you kind of had to like save it as a screenshot and then import it into OneNote and kind of try to draw over it um but now microsoft edges you know inking stuff has a desktop you know, um, a company, a company, or I guess you could say, which is really well, like cool. a kind of like a plug-in in a way, I, I suppose. I mean, well, that's not really the term for it. An accompaniment, sort of. Yeah. What I do just we mean call like, this? Yeah. Uh, the, that's not the right word, but I'm I'm using it as a placeholder. Um, but anyways, uh, that that's that is cool. I also like. Um, the tablet mode has not really improved that much, unfortunately. I was hoping for more of a, an improvement from that standpoint in terms of the start menu kind of being like the 8.x. I really like yeah. the 8.x's start menu on touch. So for I sure. hope they sort of revisit that and improve that a bit. But again, it just runs better on my Pro 3. That's honestly the biggest thing I'm thankful for is that it just runs just as fast but without the fan kicking on and and it's just it's really great. So... It's drastically improved performance. Um, what's funny is the inking stuff doesn't even show up on my desktop, and that could be because either it's not touch or it has multiple monitors. I'm not sure which one, which is the reason. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and then also in terms of the interface for, I mean, probably everyone listening is aware of this, but if you click the start button, the start menu is different on the left where it shows all of your apps by default. And the left area is sort of smaller with the power button and the settings. I think it's going to throw people off for a little bit when they try to power down their computer because some people don't still don't recognize the power off icon. They recognize the words really? power off. Hmm. I mean, people are just so used to it. I mean, since Windows, you know, whatever, it said shut down or, you know, log off or whatever, it's been a phrase, and they've been incorporating the icon gradually but i think people look for the words that's just my own opinion but i mean like i would think that if anything is consistent across so many devices i would think that power on and off that's across devices across i mean uh, if, if you had a see i'm t- i guess a micro um microwave probably doesn't have a power off button but i mean like pretty much anything even like a physical button that you click in and out would have like a like an old time stereo or something old time I mean like ten years ago <laughs> would have like um, a button that would click in and out and that would have that icon yeah um, that that isn't a problem I mean I, I well I don't think well I guess I mean, I'm not I, really I speaking your... to like this demographic so much I mean I know it seems like dead obvious in terms of icons that is the most obvious icon there can be but remember when in Windows eight when Microsoft really messed with the power button people freaked out so then in 8.1 they kind of put it back on the start screen in a spot people still didn't like that very much um so i I, something about when you mess with a power off location or how it looks people don't like it well you know i you know to be fair i think you're right even with with what i'm running now i don't have the anniversary update yet i mean the power button is not where it is on windows 7 obviously like it's shut down in the options um, but I mean, there's no, there's, I have not that I don't recognize it once I see it. I just sometimes forget where I have it. I mean, like, you know, I can't just go to it from anywhere and right. need to be on the home screen and see it, see it there. Uh, I suppose that might be different depending on how you set up your start screen. I don't know. I, I haven't even changed my start menu since I first got 10 on here. Whatever. 
Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, and that's another thing that's interesting is I, I wonder how Microsoft is going to compel people to use the start menu in Windows 10 because I really don't think people do. I mean, I do, but most people I know and most people I talk to still have a desktop full of desktop shortcuts, which makes me cringe every time because mine's completely clean and has I no have desktop shortcuts. Completely no shortcuts. Even when I run Windows 7, nice. I have Same just. Here. I have just the few that they that they force on me, which I still I hate just for for cleanliness. Wait, not the, not Microsoft, but what I mean do they my, force on you. No, like there's shortcuts. I don't know what it is. I, I don't have my work PC here, but I think there's four or five different um, shortcuts that they pin. You can't uh, delete based off you know admin. Oh, that's like, funny. Really? Yeah, but uh, people I work with, they are full. Their whole it's all full of shortcuts and then even folders of shortcuts oh, on the desktop. Oh, wow. And whatever. I don't have any, I, I have, I set up my start menu, you know, live tiles to begin with. And it's, you know, in different sections and theoretically helpful and whatever. But to- typically I just, you know, windows key and start typing. And that's totally, um, that's pretty much the only way I launch apps. And I have, I've pinned a few things. I have my taskbars on the left, far left of my left monitor and far right of my right monitor. I used to have them on top, but I don't know, whatever. Mm. And now I just have things that I typically open in one window or the other. I pin them on one side or the other and I'll launch them that way occasionally. But Windows key, start typing. Totally. It's the only way to go. And like it, Windows search is so fast. I mean, it is just Windows key, the first three letters enter, done. You know? Yeah. And that's so useful. And I know... Power users for OS X on Mac do a similar thing with command spacebar, you know, so that is just the best way to do things. But you're right about the taskbar. And again, like people, I think in an ideal world, I'm guessing Microsoft wants live tiles to be bigger, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think realistically people don't use their Delhi's desktop devices in that way. And so to those people, I would say, get rid of your desktop shortcuts well, before you delete them, right-click, hit pin to start, then delete them and get rid of all of them and just use your start menu because it's 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 there, so you might as well use it. And plus, it you know clears your desktop of all the clutter. Mm-hmm. And I hope Microsoft kind of suggests that more because, um, yeah, I just feel like it's wise. But now we're on the topic of Windows 7 a little bit. I'm curious, Vernon, when you... Um, I, think, I think I probably use desktop Windows at home a bit more than you do. But I'm just curious, when you use your Windows 7 computer at work, what kinds of things do you miss or vice versa? What do you miss about Windows 7 when you use your Windows 10 PC? Hmm. I hadn't really thought about this. Um, well, for one, I miss my setup. I have a better keyboard. I mean, this, isn't, this isn't the operating system. But I have better monitors, better keyboard, and um, better, <laughs> I even have better speakers in my, my work setup. Not that you know, that isn't the operating system. Still, I think that still contributes to the experience, though. Yeah, I spend many more hours a day, obviously. I mean, you know, I probably spend six hours a day at my, my PC at work and about three hours a week at my PC at home, or maybe maybe more. And so that um, I, I, I'm, still, so I'm still getting familiar with Windows 10, as horrible as that is. Um, I would say... Just trying to think of the differences here. Kind of sprung sprung this on me. Um, Windows 10, I love this file explorer in there. And and this is the geekiest thing. We've talked about this before. I love the file explorer and pinning things in there. Um, With Windows Windows 7, I mean, it's fine. But, but, I mean, I pinned, especially Excel, Word. um, You know, I I pinned the dropdowns in their file explorer. I pinned different folders and everything. And and favorites. I mean, that's that's what I do. Navigate through files and manipulate them. That's and then Outlook, of course. Outlook, um, twenty sixteen is. I love it. I really, really oh, do. It's so good. And um, and I I really you know I am using twenty ten at work and it's you know oh. it's it's a workhorse. It's fine. It, it's it's just showing its age a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I love how everything pulls over. I mean, obviously, I have the same. All my work stuff on my my home PC as well, or not all, not v, VPN stuff, but Outlook, all that's there. And um, I don't know, is that answering any questions? I totally. suppose. I mean, I'm trying I to. Mean, that's a really good point. I mean, even just in File Explorer, like, because um, 
at some point, they transitioned from the Windows XP-esque file explorer to the ribbon file explorer, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just so flesh. In, in 8.1, it was good. But it's just so fleshed out in Windows 10. Like, everything is set up just right. So when you use a Microsoft Office application next to File Explorer, like, it just it makes sense. Like, I love it. And uh, what's funny is we're seeing the ribbon, which I think is a massive success for Windows, mm-hmm. go oh, away yeah. with universal apps, right? With the more mobile interface. Yeah. So the sort, of, the sort of at odds in a bit. Yeah, this goes back to that hamburger menu thing, and I don't want right. to beat that horse too badly, but sure, beat that dead horse, whatever. Um, I I just don't. Only if you're on a mouse, only if you're on a mouse, and I get that that's you you recognize that's where other stuff is, but why is that furthest from your thumb? You can have it at the bottom right, even the bo- bottom left, or even the bottom right, taking up just a few pixels, really. And, and not be in your way, but still be quickly accessible. Mm-hmm. That's where the ellipsis menu is anyway. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever. I mean, that's a different conversation. But it is. Uh, to me, the ribbon has so much functionality, but typically in a desktop, in a mouse, uh, you know, uh, mouse what do you call it? environment. In, um, interaction point. And uh, hiding the ribbon, obviously, even just like in OneNote, hitting that little expand and just hiding the whole thing going. And Word is the same. I mean, many of them have that. Seriously? And um, I don't know. I, 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 there's got to be a better way to have all that ribbon stuff in a touch environment. And, of course, yeah. I mean, OneNote Touch does have that. I mean, and even OneNote proper and um, Outlook proper, I mean, they, you, you can optimize for touch or for yep. mouse. You can change the icon size and all that kind of thing. Hmm. It's still a lot there. Um, but the direction we're going, being touch interface, and, of course, voice interface, but that's that's different. But touch interface is leading away from this hamburger menu, whereas, whatever, hmm. rant over. People, rant uh, over. People, are get, <laughs> people are getting sick of me here saying that. No, but, I mean, you bring up a really good point. I mean, that is how it is. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, in in the Microsoft Office products, they have a sort of toggle for touch-friendly mode and not, where they kind of space out the tabs a bit more, make them a bit more prominent. And so that's a version of the ribbon that's touch-friendly, I would argue. So it's it's interesting how they kind of don't carry that more forward in other areas. Like, that would be cool if File Explorer had an option for that, for example, right? Like, I think they could do that. Um, hmm. in, in a Windows 10 anniversary update... Another thing that I really like is the dark theme. Like, I'm so glad that they're finally using an OS-wide dark theme. However, it doesn't work on File Explorer, which is a huge bummer. I really hope Microsoft revisits dark theme and really, truly implements it. Because I know friends of mine, some of them are developers or they're coders, right? And so all their coding applications are all dark. Because, I mean, if you stare at a screen the whole time, it kills your eyes if it's not in a dark environment. So... And so they've they have they've applied a third party tool to force a dark theme on Windows, so it like reverses whites and all those sorts of things. High contrast mode is pretty interesting and can be sometimes can be great. Other times it just mucks it all up. Yeah, um, and I think that's the the janky way of doing it. Totally. But but um, sometimes that works even just to change things up a little bit. Um, great, great theme in office was awesome to begin with. I mean, like I, I really like that and I guess there is no dark mode in office proper yet. Right. I don't, I can't I don't imagine. So. I can't yeah. imagine there is, but gray theme gets, it gives you kind of the same effect. Um, hmm. whatever. Uh, and speaking of office, um, I tweeted about this earlier and I want to quickly give a shout out to the individual that agreed with me because I felt like I was the only person saying it. Outlook Mobile on Windows 10 Mobile and Outlook Mail on Windows 10 Desktop cannot render emails correctly, ever. No, I, I don't... Why have we not fixed this? I don't know. Oh. It's been a freaking year. Yeah. And and Michael West, at It's Michael West on Twitter, said, hey, maybe the Outlook teams for Windows 10 Mobile and Windows 10 Desktop could look at the Outlook apps for iOS and Android. I don't know. Light bulb. <laughs> like, come on, people. And like I would I would regularly tweet like, hey, I for part of my job 
where I worked at previously, I tested emails. It's what I did, yeah. right? And consistently, every email that worked in every other email platform, and I'm talking AOL, I'm talking Yahoo, really obscure old ones that are not compliant with modern email standards, those would render better than the Outlook apps in Windows 10 Mobile and Windows 10 proper. So let me pose the question here, devil's advocate. What if, what if Outlook... Uh, mobile and desktop or outlook you know outlook mail and outlook mobile what if they are the future what if that is how it's supposed to be and it's ahead of the curve and that say aol yahoo whatever oh yeah it still works because that's everyone still stuck in the past i don't necessarily believe that's the case but i think that sometimes that is why things like this get a little mixed up i mean is that unfortunately i see what you're saying but that's not true at all because um but you're right about one thing that email clients are like stuck in the 90s in terms of html because it's all table based and it's not meant for responsiveness in the modern web so from that standpoint you're right however if what you're saying is true then emails would still render properly because there's code that talks about screen sizes and if it's this screen size Use all these modern mm-hmm. web elements because yep. mobile web mobile email clients can render them better. So unfortunately, it doesn't render better on these phones. So um, and emails email from Microsoft to I mean not only just on Windows Mobile, which I understand is a small market, okay, but that is basically the same app on Windows Mail, which every Windows 10 PC and Windows 8 PCs 8x PCs have by default you people that don't even pay for office they use mail why like how how can i spell this out more like what how did that get missed yeah it, it is very odd it's one of those things that i wasn't very vocal about because i just thought oh they'll fix it it's been a year it's been a year i don't i don't get it so that that is sort of my big gripe with the anniversary update. They really, really should have done something about that because it's a huge problem. Like, if I get a new mail, if I get a new message on my phone, that's an email. I'm like, you know what? This is like a, this is like a notification to go to my desktop computer and actually view the email. It's not even a way to really look at it, unfortunately. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. Anyway, um, now let so, me let me top that. Let me cap that off with something I love. Oh, okay. Okay. On my work phone, my iPhone in in uh, mail or whatever that's uh, the, the ios offers and also in outlook um well in, in mail for example you know you can't respond to something with um you know I, I, by italicizing something or bolding or anything like that right but in um but when i answer work email from my personal phone I have options of all that stuff. Reply basically just like Word. Basically all the stuff that most people use yes. Word for. Change in fonts, uh, colors, sizes, you know, um, bold italics, um, different bulleting uh, to bullet things, all that stuff. And I love that. And I Very look true. for opportunity to use that and infuse it. And I still have what is it? Uh, Windows. Windows 10 or Outlook for Windows 10 Mobile on the bottom. I am fine leaving that little. Yeah. Modified it. I modified it a little bit, but um. Mm-hmm. And I also I make a point to use from um uh wi- let's see, uh, Office 20 yeah or Outlook 2016 on Windows 10 or something for from when I respond to work emails from my personal PC. Nice. I, it's it's small. It's a you know it's a font six or eight or something size. But that's um, awesome. I totally know what you mean. I would customize the signature to say instead of sent from my Windows 10 phone, it would be sent from my Lumia 950XL or something. You know, um, I used to put the phone in there. Now I just put Windows 10 Mobile because that's uh, broader, more versatile. Yeah. Right. But uh, I used, I mean, that would be like the first thing I'd change. Okay. That's awesome. Th- this was going from a positive, unfortunately, transitioning back to a negative. Another rant, complainy thing here. As often, David, as often as you and I reset phones, get it, grab a different phone, log in, Outlook or whatever, and also across different platforms, we're using Outlook on different phones. Why can we not keep the signatures? Why can yeah. we not keep the settings? I mean, all this stuff. I don't know how often I got to go change it from the dinky uh, Windows. It's like lowercase phone or something for, mm-hmm. sent from my Windows 10 phone. phone. It's my Windows, Windows 10 yeah. phone. 
I'm like, come on. And I got to go, ch- obviously, I got to put in my name and phone number and my mm-hmm. title and everything like that. Can I not pull that over? I mean, everything else syncs uh-huh. over. Well, you're talking about a bigger problem, too, and that's that you can't insert HTML-rich e- like email signatures in there. That's a really yeah. big problem, especially from a branding perspective. If there's a if there's a um a standard or if there's compliance that says you have to have an email signature that's X with your logo in there, you can do it on iOS, but you can't do it on Windows 10 Mobile. It has that just that text box. You can only put in plain text. It's it's kind of annoying. So I want to see them improve that and then but everything else, like when you mentioned about the formatting options in Outlook. And and the, I mean, responding to just typical work email is actually extremely good on the devices. So I don't want to completely poo-poo the apps. Yeah, because you're right; they do have some great stuff. But I those completely two prefer. I totally prefer doing my work email on my personal phone, my 950 mm-hmm. in Outlook. Um, I even prefer. I mean, that's that's saying that I normally use Outlook for iOS, which is good mm-hmm. um, on on my work phone. But still, it still feels like an app instead of part of the OS. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, Outlook for Windows 10 Mobile is an app. It's not necessarily part of the OS, but it, it just is so much smoother. Um, totally. Yeah, on and on. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to bring in here about, like, when I go to work and use Windows 7. By the way, you mentioned that you want to delete icons from your Windows 7 computer, but you can't because of admin restrictions. Yeah. Uh, that happened to me, too, and I immediately talked to the IT department and kept bugging him until they gave me local admin rights. <laughs> nice. So what I did was, I don't remember the name of the tool, but I installed a tool that basically puts the taskbar on both screens, because I have a dual screen setup there, yeah. and then it puts one background picture across the two screens. That's the first thing that I did to make it more like uh, Windows 10. So how... Okay, because I was I obviously have the same background on both monitors. I mean, it's not across. How? What type of tool i guess my admin i don't remember the name of it i'll I'll have to like tweet it or something after this but i just found one that was highly recommended from the reddit two screens or the uh it's like not two screens and i'm blanking on names but anyways because i like those features from windows 10 a lot and so i immediately Mm. put this back in the biggest gripe i have with windows 7 this is gonna surprise people and i've mentioned this to you before vernon is that you have a active window open and say you have multiple monitors open or you have them snapped and you need that window to be active for a certain reason. And then you move your mouse to a different window and scroll, and it scrolls the active window. Yeah. And it doesn't scroll the one that your mouse is over. It's a tiny thing, but it's I cannot tell you, since Windows 8, I believe, had this, and Windows 10 has it, I'm so used to it. with my work, It just completely disrupts my workflow at work. Mm-hmm. It's I'm funny how way. a small thing can just colossally ruin it. And another thing is... If you have multiple monitors and you have Windows 7, you cannot drag Windows like in between and have them snap kind of in between the two screens. Um, a way around or that, though, have, is if... To have three... Oh, to snap them three three windows in two screens, you're saying? No, like... Or what do you so, mean? So, like, you can easily snap to an edge of the screen. But if you have yeah. two monitors, right, and there's edges, like, in the center, you cannot snap to those edges in Windows 7 like you can in Windows 10. Mm, well, by 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 uh, with the mouse you can't, but you you can have to use the Windows key. Windows right. key, yes, you can do that, and that's the workaround. Um, so that I use that at work, but I, I know I've seen people try to do it, which is funny. And so I actually I say, tried oh, for a long time, that. and I just I mm-hmm. end up just using the Windows key, Windows key arrow. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's another thing that I miss. And then Cortana. So I yeah. on my workstation, I have my Surface, luckily, so I can just pop over and do remind me to do this, enter just like I would normally, but not having Cortana like on my main station is a big deal, like way bigger than I thought. And with the anniversary update, you have reminders that don't have time, location, or people restrictions you have. You can add photos and stuff. And I just itch to use that at work because it'd be so useful to use at work. But it's like, so frustrating. Um, That's another thing I miss. And then I'm trying to think, there's one more major thing on Windows 7. Or that, that Windows 7 doesn't have, that Windows 10 has. What is it? Maybe I'll think of it later. But we're, we're well, how is, your, how is your OneDrive experience between 7 and 10? Which is actually very similar. It, it changed for 8 for a bit and then went back to traditional, whatever, for 10. 
I'm happy to say, I have to say, OneDrive seems a bit more responsive on Windows 10, which just makes sense because it's sort of built into the OS, but um, they're pretty similar. And in terms of like Microsoft OneNote and OneDrive working between my Surface Pro 3 and my Windows 7 desktop, it's not bad at all. It's pretty seamless. So Microsoft did a good job with that, I think. Well, here's the big problem I have right now is that I have a work phone, obviously my, my iPhone, and I have, I have OneDrive installed in there. It's set up. When I take a photo, it automatically uploads. Sometimes you have to tap into OneDrive and just hit the photos thing to make sure that it gets it rolling, but then it uploads pretty quickly and it, it's fine, but usually it's just boom. And of course, those photos I see on my win, on my Windows phone, right in the camera roll. It's, it's wonderful. It really... I love that and I use it all the time. It is great. What I can't do on my desktop is pull up that I can't go to a OneDrive app and view them just via the, I don't want to say the web, just view the thumbnails and download and do something with that. If I took a photo with my iPhone or my Windows phone, maybe I want to post it to Twitter or Facebook via the desktop. I'm talking about my, my Windows 10 desktop. I can't do that. I have to go to the web. I need to pull it up that way, and Edge has a tough time rendering. I have about 80, whatever, 8,900 or some uh, photos in the new camera roll, Windows 8 camera roll. I need to actually clear that out and start a Windows 10 camera roll. And so that's about 60 gigs or something like that. And so I don't want that all on my PC. I don't want every, you know, when I go for vacation, I go download everything. Or if I take, you know, when we went house, house shopping, for example, looked at, I don't know, a half a dozen or more houses, took a couple dozen pictures each house. Well, when I fire up my PC at home, I don't want all that stuff coming down when I'm trying to actually do something. So I don't have that folder synced to download. There's No. Well, partially because you can't pause it like you could in Windows 8, which bothers me. And so, um, yeah, I have to go to the web. Go to Edge, in, in Edge or whatever, OneDrive, camera roll, and and then go manipulate it that way. And oftentimes, it tries to hold, load all 8,900, <laughs> and so it takes a while, and I don't even get to see, often I don't even see the whole, um, the thumbnail. I just see the, That's I base it off of the, the time it was taken, the file name, basically. Man, wouldn't the Windows 8 OneDrive be helpful in this instance? <laughs> Gee, like I don't know what was wrong with that app. Like, I think I why? have an idea. What do you What do you think? I think that I mean at least sometimes it would catch me off guard if I were to try to, try to do massive file management. See, this folder had eighty files in it. I'd be like, why is it like twenty three kilobytes? And I had to remember. Okay, thumbnails. Or, or you know what? Maybe it. Maybe what it did was. It would say it was like several dozen gigabytes. But then it wasn't actually that number because they were store they were off offline they were online versions. It was something mm-hmm. like that where there was a disparity between like the actual size on your hard disk, how much it said it took up versus how much it actually took up. Okay, so anyone using a Windows 10 mo- mobile phone right now, you go to the camera roll photos, you scroll through any of those, you can see which ones before they even load. You see which ones are there. They pop up pretty quick. And you see the ones that take a moment to load, and there's a OneDrive icon on there. Yeah. Cloud icon, okay? Um, and so that is pretty universal across, I mean, everything now. That's true. And it, people will become more you know, familiar with that. Same thing with music. You can see if you're streaming it or if it's downloaded. You can have a little icon on there. So why could they not include that in, in uh, the OneDrive app for the desktop or a UWP, I'm sure, or even better, have it in File Explorer and just show, I mean, even just like a weird little alert on the top. Hey, some of these are on the cloud. Some of these are, and, and in what you're viewing is just placeholders. They could have that. You could dismiss it. Don't show me again. Pop up again later. All that kind of stuff. People need to learn this. I, I hate to take out a feature because people don't know it yet. That's the wrong reason for it. Yeah. It's. Now, it can confuse people, I understand that, but in my line of business, what I do for work, I have to bring people into the future or into the present, unfortunately, uh, and and it's it's work, it's, it's tough, you have to remind people about it, but we're not going to let 
nostalgia limit what we're what we're doing for work um whatever we're trying to accomplish um rant number seven over (laughs) i guess (laughs) well i guess what you said about I guess what I said about you being a crab only in certain areas is just, you know, not panning out this time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, I didn't really prepare anything for this show, so you're just getting what you... You're, you're, no, that's great. You bait, you're baiting me, David. <laughs> well, in that case, I'm even more impressed. Um, so, this is a small little note that I just forgot to mention in previous episodes, but when I tweeted about, uh, hey, tomorrow is the last day you can get Windows 10, just saying... The Windows account, Twitter account, retweeted me, and nice. I got tons of favorites and retweets, like way more than the tweet deserved, just because of all the you know audience that it reached. Yeah. And in the process, as you might imagine, and what happens on my Windows 10 videos a lot, are people saying, yeah, the best update was when I reverted to Windows mm-hmm. 7. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many of those people still, and I'm just like, <sighs> like, are you serious? Like it's possible you had a really bad experience with a driver or XYZ went wrong, maybe. But have you looked at the two operating systems and actually, like, compared them? Because what you're saying is literally not true. I get preference. You like the arrow glossiness. You like the the Windows tab scrolling through. You like how it looks more. You like how it sounds, for gosh sakes. Any weird sort of quirk you like about it, that makes it your favorite. That is all fair game. What is not fair game is saying that it has, you know, like, faster speed times or it's more secure, you know, or... Or even just to say that it sucks. You can say you don't like it. Yeah. That's fine. That's your opinion. That's fair. Yeah. But to to say that, oh, it's, you know, it's not as good. I mean, just broadly, that's just, that's just stupid. It's just not true. It's just straight up it's not true. Ignorant. Like, and, and if you look at, the, like, all the tests they've done and... If, for example, the system requirements on Windows 10, until recently, actually, until the anniversary update with the 2-gig limit instead of the 1-gig limit, uh, for the most part, they're lower than Windows 7. So you have an operating system that does more, is more efficient, has more features, is better, with less requirements. Like, that's sort of the definition of better, like, in every definition, right? So you can hate Cortana. (laughs) You can be convinced Microsoft is spying on you. Whatever these things people always say, right? Honestly, people that die, that uh, live and die by seven always say these same things. Yeah, get you off can, the internet then if you're that worried about. Well, spying. like the thing is, like you can actually believe those things, but that doesn't mean that Windows 10 is an inferior operating system to Windows 7. Like if you look at some of the the comparisons, it's just not true, right? Um, so that so I had to like kind of restrain myself at that moment and i was prepared because i knew it was coming but then you have a ton of people that were enthusiastic i'm like yeah you know like i upgraded and i was great and you know you had positive and negative stuff and it makes me wonder when we then microsoft has fans of windows do you think microsoft employees appreciate you know fans stepping in and saying things like oh, you know yeah. what? I, I think it's great that you like windows 7 but i actually like windows 10 a lot because of this or that Whereas it would be inappropriate for Microsoft's Windows Twitter account to say those things. Maybe they want to, right? So is it a burden for them to have their fans try to defend it? Or is it something that's helpful? That, that'd that's be something that'd be welcome, interesting to them. I'm sure. You know, I bet you Aaron Hall is, is, I would say he's the best example of that. Is He's such an advocate for Microsoft and moving forward and how, how these things are. But he's not, you know, he can get aggressive in a good way and really say, you know, you're wrong. You, you're your opinion is unfounded or you just don't have the data where Microsoft can't necessarily do that. And I think if Aaron worked for Microsoft, he couldn't have to curb do that it. either. Yeah. Or you could just be Daryl Pritchard, but we won't go into that. <laughs> we love Daryl. So anyway, so that's a small little, uh, little note there. Um, but that's how many retweets did you get off of that? Oh man. I, I have to check. Uh, I hundreds? know, I know it's over 200. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so that was cool. Uh, well, I was oh, here. We go. Oh, I know that's not mine. That's that's Windows tweet. Well, I had I was proud of a tweet I had a pair of tweets that I got a few retweets on, and it was just a dozen or less or whatever. It had nothing to do with technology. It's just two different tweets with two different animated gifs that were how 
Hillary Clinton and then the other one was George W. Bush, how they reacted when things were thrown at them. <laughs> now, obviously, <laughs> and just a handful of retweets, whatever. Uh, but th- this leads into, I was, I, I had, had a death in my family. And so I had cousins coming in, which I hadn't seen in quite a while. And I was picking them up at the airport and whatever. And we just, I don't know how I even got on it. I, I it said something about planes or something. Obviously they were at the airport and I wanted to show them these pictures of this, this, um, this historical, uh, airport or, you know, terminal museum that I visited while I was in Houston, took a bunch of pretty decent pictures. I thought really interesting to me at least. And I'm like, Oh, why don't I just show you? And so they're right there. Obviously I didn't use that camera or that phone, but they were on OneDrive. Pulled them up, boom, scrolled through them. I mean, there were dozens and dozens. And and it was interesting because I kept, at that time is when I was getting this pop-up of notification. To, oh, Bob, <laughs> Bob Shlomo uh, retweeted your tweet or whatever. Um, but it was so cool to be able to show those pictures. And of course, both my cousins are like, that's a really good camera. Wow, nice. I'm like, yeah, Microsoft. I mean, <laughs> and so it's, and th- these guys are iPhone people. I mean, through and through. And my cousin is a, a marketer and graphic designer, and and he runs a project manager, everything for all that type of stuff. We use the iMac at home, you know, um, MacBook Pro and Air and all this stuff, and iPhone through and through. And he's a professional photographer, DSLR. I mean, he always gets a new camera and stuff. And uh, um, so praise from him really means. Something. I know, right? And then um, whatever. I was a little bit happy with that, and. I just love, you know, yeah, Windows, Microsoft doesn't suck that bad, people. <laughs> I mean, come on, you get this mind share shifting back over to, you know, it, it, you can enjoy it. It isn't something you have to trudge through. There, there are, um, it's more than just Azure or whatever. It's totally. You know. Oh man, when I use my service at work, like that is my experience through and through. Like. It is such a del- the Surface Pro Three is such a delight. It's like one of my favorite devices ever made, and every chance I get, I use it because not because I feel obligated to, because I'm a Microsoft fan, but because like I actually freaking love it and totally prefer to use it over almost anything else. No, like a notebook, notepad, and paper. I see like my coworkers using that, or like some really old laptop, and I've got this amazing tablet that does everything a desktop does with a pen and a touchscreen, like that's just so cool, right? Um, so I think Microsoft, some stuff Microsoft has, or like people are always complaining about how their iPhone's running out of space yeah. like, constantly. <laughs> and it's like, I can be like, yeah, I have 25 gigs. Oh, actually I have a thousand, but that's a different story. I got 25 for free, you know? Like that doesn't register with people's minds that there's a different option that's just, and they can't fathom how much better it is. You know, they're just like, they're like really? Or like, wow. Or mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned like, Someone said, yeah, I just love the gestures on um, on MacBook Pros. I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, my Surface Pro 3 has them, too. I'm like, so it really on is doing screen. a great job. Of, of, yeah, exactly. It's got on-the-screen stuff, too. So it does a, it does a, quite a bit like Apple. And someone said, oh, yeah, well, it certainly tries to. And I thought, I have a touchscreen. Yours doesn't. They're like, that's true. I'm like, listen to yourself, man. And again, I, don't, I try not to go too far because I can be very debate happy and i try to get away from that especially at work because that's not professional but uh there's just some moments where you're like you've really not thought this through like this is a better product the reason as a brand that you don't like and that's why you're just you're possessing the inferiority complex upon it right and Mm -hmm. i just want to say the windows 10 tweet has 269 retweets and 224 likes nice nice job david the first response who wants Windows 10 when you could have Windows 7 with three exclamation points? Oh, my God. So triggered. I was People a bit triggered really... by that, but we won't go into that. But anyways. Yeah. Well, David, nice job on the retweets. Virtual <laughs> Wi-Fi to you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, I should mention that we are obviously Microsoft fans, and so it is easy for us to poke fun at an apple fan and say oh they're just stuck in this mentality when we think we hope that we're not stuck in a mentality but then again there are plenty of things that you can do just as well perhaps better on android ios whatever that windows mobile does not offer right now and it it stinks i mean like 
people totally. talk about, you know, Pokemon Go, whatever, or Snapchat and, you know, these things. And we're not going to get into that, but just that it's okay to be a fan. It's okay to be biased. Um, and it's okay to poke fun at the other guy a little bit, I think. Totally. And that is something that is very true, actually. Even if you're right, quote unquote, you need to be able to laugh at yourself and point out where, you know, kind of there's kind of tension in the room if you try to really ardently defend a side. If you're just kind of like, yeah, we don't have Snapchat, it's great. You know, it's like I kind of... It's like I can actually accomplish something. Like, (laughs) Well, that would be the opposite of what I was trying to say, but yes, that is also true. Um... Yeah, so we have this, we have this uh, link here. Did you drop this in the notes, Vernon? Um, maybe quite some time ago. Yes, you did. Let's, it says VS next to it in OneNote. It says let's Vernon save Smith. that. I have a um, a use for that which is not on this episode. So let's let's oh, uh, great. we talk let's, about that later. Until next time. Um, so in the that only case, thing I contributed to the contributed to the show notes we're not covering. <laughs> So that's fine. I think we're ready to jump to the app and music and podcast picks if you are. Okay. Um, well, I, I will have to think about an app, but I do have a music and podcast pick. Okay, great. Uh, I'll just start with my app one then. And uh, well, actually, first off, I'm going to talk about a part of the show that's often ignored, and that's app coming to Windows Phone. And this app is a Discord app. It's a third-party Discord app for Windows 10 Mobile called Clamor. Else, John in the chat's getting excited. Um, <laughs> it's called Clamor with the British spelling, so you'll be extra excited. Ooh, um, the developer, the, the developer's a British guy. He's really, really awesome. He, he's been working with like a handful of people to beta test it, and I've been using it so far, and it's really, really cool. It has he's totally a Windows uh, Phone fan, so he has that just that perfect Windows 10 Mobile look about Discord. It, you can have multiple chats. He's working on voice functionality and stuff right now, I, I believe. But it's really, really great. I totally recommend it uh, whenever it comes out. So that's Clamor, spelled the British way. And that's a Discord app. It's third party. So the next Rudy win? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So that also, so my normal app pick was actually suggested by Lloyd quite a bit ago. Uh, at, one of the, at the end of one of our live shows, um, he talked about Enpass and E-N-P-A-S-S. And it's I, use, I tried it out, and oh my goodness, it is by far the best password application manager for mobile I have ever used. It, I mean, it's, it is, it covers everything, and it is totally worth the $10. Now, in my opinion, I have a different way to manage passwords that I'm comfortable with, but I might even transition to this eventually. I was so thrilled with it. They have fields for username, password, but then also URL. They have a special area for key. They have a special area for an icon if you want like they have everything it's completely holistic you can sync it with OneDrive. you can sync it with dropbox google drive and even box if you want so you can choose where you save it which is also really cool and it's not stored locally on the phone it's not stored you know in someone's server somewhere it's on OneDrive or it's on dropbox or whatever you want so totally try out mpass and you can try you can do 20 for free if you don't want to pay for it up front so just trying 20 would be worth it. I definitely recommend it. Cool. And even if you just did, you know, like the 20 banking or money things you did or something like that, that would probably get you, I would imagine most of the places that you transact money. That's a pretty good, um, pretty good start. That's cool. Great idea. Cool. As far as an app, I will recommend Bing Rewards. And this is because Daryl Pritchard recommended that I recommend it. So this is his recommendation. Bing Rewards, I completely agree. Bing Rewards is great. The app has not really been updated too much lately, but there really wasn't much to add to it. It did great. Um, The point is you search, you get points. This is a really, really good way to argue if you want to debate or even just enlighten people that, oh, there's something besides Google out there. Uh, that Bing Rewards has all these options, including racking up points just for searching that you're going to do anyway and using those points for something good um, of value. Even if it's just, um, I don't really enter, you know, use up points to enter to win something. You know, that's just not my style. Me neither. But um, there's plenty of options. And there was one. We talked about a few episodes ago, I think, 
in which um, I think for 600 points or something, you got a $10 Microsoft gift card. That was pretty limited uh, time, and that's uh, no longer the case. It's not in there anymore. But I did look the other day. There was, uh, I think it was like 40% off the one of the Microsoft um, keyboards. It wasn't the, the soft folding one. It was the hard folding one. I mean, I don't know if you know, like the, the tablet, tablet keyboard that oh, that, nice. that sets in there, nests in there. Um, whatever, but there was, you know, through Bing Rewards, you get a discount, discounts off of things, and yada yada, on and on, all that. There's kind of almost thing, something. So. There's always almost something really cool there. Like, just I'm always puzzlingly surprised by what's in there. Another thing too is speaking of Bing, like Bing's search market share has gone up drastically because yeah. of Windows 10, like on a massive scale. So if you use Windows 10 and you occasionally, I'm talking occasionally, search with Cortana ever. Get Bing Rewards because you're just gonna get stuff. Like this is not this has never been more relevant of a thing for you to do. So anyway, uh, great recommendation, Vernon. For my music pick, I'm going with a new single that recently came out from Epica, a band I've recommended on multiple occasions. For those of you two people that like symphonic metal like I do, um, it is called The Holographic Principle. Um, that's the new album that's coming out. But the but the single that came out is called Universal Death Squad. And it starts so violent, really, David. Jeez. Yeah, I know. It does. It does sound like a typical metal song, and it really isn't. It really is not typical. It's like it starts out with a beautiful orchestral arrangement, and then it goes into metal, and uh, it's just it's, it's a masterpiece. I'm so excited for the entire album. Um, so anyway, definitely Epica, Universal Death Squad. The single's out, and the music video's out too. You should watch the music video. Nice. When it comes to electronic music, a lot of the bands. I mean, there's very few bands that have been around for such a long time. Like Daft Punk is one of them. And oddly enough, like their music now is is almost feels um geriatric. Like not in a bad way, but just like it's it's relaxing. It's like front porch grandpa dubsteps. I mean, like <laughs> you, the, <laughs> I you know, that's that's Daft Punk, and I like them and, and that wasn't intending to necessarily uh to uh, use them as a pick today. But another band that's out there that I really like is Bass Nectar. And they've been in the, you know, electronic music business since that 92, something like that, maybe maybe 95. And they had some great hits there in the late 90s and mid-2000s or whatever, hits as far as, you know, EDM. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have a new album called Unlimited. I don't know how recent it is, but, I mean, it is 2016. I mean, it's it's you know, this year. And it's pretty good. It is. Um, I think they've had a little bit better stuff before, but they're progressing. And oddly enough, I think I, my favorite time frame of, you know, EDM was really about 2010, 2009. I mean, with uh, Dead Mouse and, and uh, especially Skrillex and in that range. So I appreciate that stuff the most, but this new stuff, 2016 from Bass Nectar is very good. Um, the album is called Unlimited. Awesome. I'm waiting for a very loud plane to fly by. Well, I do have a podcast pick, and I have recommended it before, but this is a specific episode because it is five hours long. And so people probably can guess which podcast this is. This is Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. It is the third installment of the King of Kings mini-series that he does. The first two episodes were each about four hours apiece, and they, they're they released every four or five months or something like that. But uh, I cannot wait. I just about listened to it. Like I had to restrain myself from starting this podcast because this episode, because for one, I want to really... It's like sitting down and watching, you know... Um, a band, not Band of Brothers, uh, you know, Saving Private Ryan. I do not want to miss a moment of that. But watching that show twice, back to back, and trying not to miss anything. So I have to be like on a long drive. I'm traveling for work here coming up, and I think I'm going to save it for that time. Um, and like, I don't want to miss it, right? Instead of just, you know, while I'm doing dishes or dealing with screaming kids or something like that. I am such a weird, I'm a, podcast geek and not probably in a good way i don't know but no that totally uh, makes sense you want to get in the zone you don't want it piece by piece you want like the whole experience right yeah and you know we i listen to a lot of microsoft podcasts of course lots of great news lots of great insight all that stuff is good but it is 
fleeting. Okay, if I go back and listen to even one of our episodes, David, we try to steer, we we try to get evergreen content in there sometimes. I don't know how often we succeed. That's a good but, question. But uh, to go back and listen to a, a Microsoft-based podcast from three years ago is almost just, you know, nostalgic, just entertaining. And, and I recognize that. But when I listen to Hardcore History, I, I can go back to something he's done years and years ago, and it's still very relevant because it is he's talking about something from centuries ago or at least decades, at least many decades ago. And so um, I guess I don't need to elaborate on that, but I don't want to miss it. It Hmm. seems more, so much more important to me and Hmm. I don't know, whatever. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. You've, you've recommended it before. Definitely. So yeah. Um, Small little Twitter tip here. Uh, You can retweet your own tweets. That's how you got 246 retweets. <laughs> I just did it 269 <laughs> times myself over and over. No. Once you retweet one, you can't retweet it again, yeah. but you can, un- can you unretweet it and then retweet then it again. Retweet it. <laughs> so, like, I don't really know how this will be used. I know if people have wanted to re retweet something that they've previously retweeted, they can undo it and then at a later point retweet it again. So. I think this will be interesting to see how people use it on themselves. Like I can see people going back to a tweet that had tons of interactions and then retweeting it and seeing if it can get more. But I wonder yeah. if people are going to get really good at looking for those timestamps and seeing this person is going back to their old stuff and like retweeting old stuff. Cause I know people are really proud of a piece of content that they make and they want to repurpose it. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they just tweet again and point to the same thing. So is it really different to re retweet something that you tweeted before rather than well i think i think sometimes especially when you look back historically i mean so much of twitter is in the moment it is pretty relevant you know it's current but also going back and sometimes you know i've seen you know some tech pundits calling out other tech pundits on different things uh you know they say oh well, well you know back then they said that this was not news and now they're talking about it you know um so i think I think people are savvy, like you said. They're going to recognize that they're going to see the timestamp, and I think if it gets abused, people will just blow it off. And just like anything on Twitter, if you're a bad Twitterer, you you know you'll get unfollowed or whatever. I mean, it it you will attract the the people, uh, the right or wrong people, or like whatever. That's just how it works. Supply and like, demand, the free market, baby. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you got you got a little socioeconomic of a uh, dig in there. That's good. Um, I agree. I agree. So I think it's good that this feature is there. Yay. I, I love, you know, sidestepping a little bit. I love that you can't edit tweets and I also hate that you can't edit. Yeah, tweets. that's a good point. I bet they'll add that eventually. I think so. As it becomes more and more commercialized. I mean, like everything else is becoming so commercialized and so, much used for marketing and Twitter obviously has a lot of that built in, but it's still, it doesn't feel like it's being, um, you know, what, 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 what do you want to call it? Um, just twisted to as badly as some other, uh, social networks. So, yeah. Contorted, um, I suppose. Yeah. Wow. I'm so insulted right now. Else John just admitted that he unfollowed me because I kept retweeting myself. So, <laughs> I guess you could say I'm hurt. I guess I could say that Else John uh, isn't always serious. All right. Wait, well, really? That's... Wow. <laughs> um, I think that's it, man. This was a good episode. Um, nice job with all the Windows 10 stuff. You had a lot of great content in there. Thanks for pulling the the, the uh, majority of the the intellectual mind. Share, um, oh, yeah, you can barely smart call stuff. That. Yeah, I can't even I can't even say it. <laughs> All right, so folks, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Slack. We have not been very active lately, or I have not been very active in Slack, and I understand how uh, the activity there has dropped a little bit. That's that's the way it works. That's fine. And uh, if you want to interact with other people on Slack that talk about stuff that we talk about, or maybe just talk to the same people privately about how lame we are, you could do that too. Um, Slack, uh, whatever it is, find us on Slack. I don't even know where it is. 
And um, Twitter, of course, uh, mspublishow.com. No, that's Facebook. Whatever, Facebook, email, Twitter. You know the drill, guys. I'm on Vern. I'm on Twitter at Vernon El. I'm gonna. I'm stop on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at David V Kimball as always. All right, and I guess I got to do my last little bit. Have a great week, everyone. Stay mobile.